everybody. Welcome to episode seven of the Disney Sunday Movie Podcast. I'm Ruthie. And I'm Harper. And just a little announcement. We took a little unplanned hiatus due to some last minute summer things that needed to be caught up on. So we're finally back. And due to Harper's school schedule this year, we're going to release episodes every two weeks instead of every week because it's going to be really hard for her to take care of all of the homework and other items that she has to do for school as well as this podcast. So we thought it would be better to just do it every two weeks instead of every one week. So hopefully you guys are fine with that and um, we still want to keep doing this and we'll keep putting out episodes as long as we can. So that's a quick little announcement there. All right, so today we're talking about the Disney Sunday movie, The Richest Cat in the World, which originally aired March 9th, 1986. And Harper is going to read the synopsis. A wealthy man leaves his fortune to his cat, but his relatives plot the cat's demise because they are next in line. It turns out that the cat can talk and he befriends the son of one of the servants. So just a little bit about some of the actors who were in this movie before we get into the plot. Caroline McWilliams plays Paula Rigsby, and she's best known for her portrayal of Marcy Hill in the show Benson from 1979 to 1986. George Weiner plays Victor Rigsby, and he has made guest appearances in over 100 television series. He's best known for his role as ADA Bernstein on Hill Street Blues and has had memorable roles in the films Spaceballs, American Pie 2, and Fletch. Brandon Call plays Bart Barnett and he provided the voice for Fairy Number 1 in the movie The Black Cauldron. He portrayed Hobie Buchanan on the first season of Baywatch and J.T. Lambert on the sitcom Step by Step from 1991 to 1998, and he actually retired from acting in 1998. And finally, Kelly Martin plays Veronica Barnett. She's best known for her role as Rebecca Becca Thatcher on the drama Life Goes On from 1989 to 1993, as Lucy Knight on ER from 1998 to 2000, and... She provided the voice of Roxanne in the 1995 animated film, A Goofy Movie. And actually, she had a small cameo in the movie Help Wanted Kids, which we have previously discussed. She was actually one of the um, kids at school who picks on Mickey, which leads Mickey and Coop to get into a fight. So she has a small role there. So if you watched that, maybe you would recognize her. All right, Harper, you ready to get into it? Yes. Then let's do it. Alrighty, so the movie opens up and you see a mansion and outside of the mansion there is a man mowing the lawn and then inside the mansion there's a nurse and she's walking up to a bedroom. Before she walks in, it sounds like, well, she stops and she hears two people talking. But when she walks in, there's only one man and he's sitting in the bed and then he has his cat on his bed with him. So she does something in the room for the man and then she leaves and she comes downstairs and there's a doctor there and she talks to the doctor and tells him she heard two voices. The doctor says, if a dying man wants to talk to himself, let him. So they kind of just brush it off like, oh, he's dying and maybe he's a little senile. So just let him talk to himself. 
All right, the next scene is back in the bedroom and the man who is in the bed is talking to his cat and the cat's name is Leo. And this man, which we will come to find out later, his name is Oscar Kohlmeyer. And he's talking to his cat and he's saying that he thinks that he's not going to be living much longer, but the cat is going to be well provided for. And this is where you find out that Leo can talk. So the cat talks to the man And he says, don't talk like that. What am I going to do if you go? And Oscar says, you've got nine lives left to live and I want you to live all of them. (laughs) During this conversation, Oscar stops talking and basically dies. Also, just to interject, the way they have... Okay, so this cat is talking, right? But This is a movie from the 80s. So I'm pretty sure the tactic they used to make this cat look like it was talking is to feed it peanut butter so it gets stuck to the roof of its mouth because that's exactly what it looks like. It looks like it's eating something instead of like actually talking. So every time it like talks, quote unquote, it looks so dumb. It looks like it's just eating and I'm like, are you kidding me? Well, it's better than like a CGI mouth. That's what they did for a dog with a blog. But yeah, that's weird. I know. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. So the next scene is a funeral. There's a funeral at a church. Then they are bringing the casket out of the church to take it to the cemetery. And then they are at the cemetery. And there's only a couple of people there. But there is a man and a wife who turn out to be Oscar's only relatives. And they are the Rigsby's. So Paula and Victor Rigsby. (laughs) This lady Paula, she's like crying and and Victor is consoling her and she says oh we're really gonna miss Uncle Oswald (laughs) instead of his real name which is Oscar so obviously they're really close family right and then the other people that are at the cemetery is a family so it's like a husband and wife and then with two kids a boy and a girl and the boy asks what's going to happen now where will we live will you get a new job So this is like the caretaker's family, the caretaker of the property for Oscar Kohlmeyer. The next scene goes into now kind of like a news clip. So it's a newspaper spins and the first headline is Cat Inherits $5 million Fortune. And then, you know, it keeps going with like a couple of different news stories and um, all revolving around the fact that the cat inherited Oscar's millions. My question is, if Oscar didn't know that his cat would could speak, would he still have left the $5 million to the cat? I don't know. That's a good question. So the cat is named the principal heir of the Kohlmeyer fortune. And the next scene is a news lady and she's doing a, a news story outside of the house. And this news lady is actually kind of funny because she has a lot of cat puns during her story. <laughs> so she is walking up to the house as she's talking and she stops in front of the house. Gus Barnett and his wife Louise and his two children, the caretakers, They're outside and she's interviewing them and the cat is sitting in front of them on a a Bentley. So it's a really fancy Bentley and he's just laying on top of it and the Gus Barnett and his family are standing behind it and Gus is the the executor of the will. So the the news lady puts the microphone in front of the cat and he just jumps up and runs away and then she she says, well, I guess the cat's got its tongue. (laughs) In this news story, the news lady is talking about how It's not unheard of that people have left fortunes to their cats before because I guess they don't have like real relatives to pass it down to. But like going back to my question, like he did have relatives. Would he like, you know, um, the Rigsby's, would he have just passed it down to them if he didn't know that uh, Leo could talk or if Leo was just a normal cat? That's my only question. I don't know. 
All right. So the next scene is Mr. and Mrs. Rigsby. They are meeting with a lawyer to find out what they got with the will. And they basically got $25,000 outright if they don't contest the will. So they talk about it with the lawyer, like what are they going to do? And they decide, you know, him and his wife, they decide to contest it, but they must not associate with the cat. And then there's going to be a hearing that they schedule. So they can't even be near the cat at all. And the hearing is the only recourse unless the cat dies or vanishes. That's what the lawyer said. So the Rigsby's walk out of the lawyer's office and, you know, he kind of just wants to just take the money and the $25,000 and and be done with it. But the wife is trying to convince him that they need to go for the rest of the fortune. And she says, all they have to do is get rid of the cat and they get everything. And so they decided to go home and come up with a plan of how to get rid of the cat. Now we're back at the mansion and it's nighttime and the Barnett family is eating dinner in their little house outside of the mansion. They have like a smaller, you know, I guess servants quarters or whatever and they're eating dinner and Gus is fixing the toaster and they're talking about going on vacation now that they have time but Gus says it's too expensive he tells the kids you need to practice your reading you could be a doctor or a lawyer but me all I know how to do is fix things and right after he says that the toaster that he was apparently fixing catches on fire you'll notice that there's a running theme every scene that Gus is in basically he's fixing something and then it instantly is like worse off than before. So you find out he really doesn't know how to fix things. It kind of makes you wonder like why was he there? Because he really wasn't fixing things anyway. So I kind of feel like Oscar was doing them a favor and being nice to them. Anyway that was a sidebar. So the next scene is Gus and his wife, they tell their son Bart to go up to the big house and feed the cat because somebody needs to feed him every day obviously. So he's basically is living in the big house alone. And you see the cat singing to himself. And then he says, Oscar, it's just not the same without you. And then the boy comes running up to the big house to give Leo his dinner. And you hear the cat's inner thoughts. The cat says he doesn't like liver, but they keep giving it to him. So Bart has brought books with him and he likes to read out loud while he's there feeding the cat. And he's not really a good reader. So what happens is he's sitting there. He's given the cat liver to eat, which of course we all know that now that Leo doesn't want to eat that. And then he sits down on the couch and starts reading out loud. And he reads the wrong word and the cat corrects him out loud because you hear the cat is just getting so frustrated with the way the boy is reading in his thoughts that he just blurts out speaking instead of just thinking. So now the boy knows that the cat can talk and Leo tells him what to do and how to read better. Then he makes the boy write down all of the items that he wants to eat and drink and tells him not to tell anyone where he got the list or that he can talk. And then the boy says, all right, Mr. Leo. Um, my other question was, Why don't Gus and his family just go live in that house since the boy has to feed the cat anyways? So after this, the boy leaves and then you see the Rigsby's are in the bushes outside the house trying to see with binoculars. So they're not right outside under the window. They're a little bit farther in the the yard and they try to get closer, but the cat sees them coming and he turns on the sprinklers and they get all wet. So that kind of deterred them this time, but he knows that they're planning something. 
All right, so the next scene is Bart, and he's in his room, and he can't sleep. So he wakes up, and he goes into his sister's room, and he wakes her up, and he just can't keep himself from telling her that Leo can talk. And she doesn't believe him. So they both leave their house, and they go up to the big house. And she says, cats don't talk. So she really just has to see it for herself. So they go to the big house, and they find Leo, and he talks to them, and she asks him, how did he get this way? And so this is the scene right here where he tells his origin story. So he says he was raised in the back of a butcher shop with brothers and sisters. His father had left them. And at one year old, his mom sent him off to fend for himself. (laughs) And he ended up living with the dock workers on the piers. But he knew there was more to life than fish and rats. So he entered the university in quest for knowledge. (laughs) And there's like a scene here where he's in like a group of students outside of the university sitting around talking with books on their laps and stuff. And he's there in the group. So he never knew he could talk until he met Oscar. One day he's at this diner and it's Oscar's diner. And Oscar is sweeping and cooking before like the diner's open. But he's really making a mess in the kitchen and he's burning something in the oven. And so this is where Leo figures out he can talk because he says, quick, the oven. And Oscar stops what he's doing and he goes to the oven and pulls out whatever food he had in there. Then he realizes that the cat was the one who said something to him after he stops the fire. So did you say that? He says, and then Leo says, I guess I did. And so this is like the beginning of Oscar and Leo's friendship. Back to the kids sitting with Leo and the kids ask, but what about the money? And so then Leo tells the story of how Oscar became rich. Oscar actually owned the diner and all of the land that the diner was sitting on. And one day, a couple of men come into the diner and they offer to buy the land for $80,000. And just as they make the offer, the bread guy comes to make a bread delivery. And so Oscar leaves to go meet the bread guy outside. And while he's gone, the men talk about how the property is really worth a couple of million. And Leo is in the diner and he hears them talking about this. When Oscar comes back, Leo gets his attention and then convinces him to go outside just to talk real quick. And he tells him to hold out for more money. And he says, I'll give you a sign when I want you to stop or, you know, how high to go. So the men have a contract and they want Oscar to sign it. And Oscar says that $80,000 is not enough. So they offer $125,000, but he says no. So they act like they're really upset what? This is a good offer. Okay, fine. So they get up and they leave. And Oscar's really upset. Like, what? I I could have sold my property for $125,000. But Leo says, when they come back, ask for one and a half million. And Oscar doesn't think that they're going to come back. But literally a second later, they do. And he asks for one and a half million. And one of the guys faints. (laughs) It's kind of funny. The other guy says that that sounds reasonable. And the last thing that Oscar says is, and I get to keep the mineral rights. So it turns out there was oil on that property and that's how Oscar made his fortune, basically because he says he gets to keep the mineral rights, which is including any sort of oil that's found on the property. So that concludes the story of how Leo can talk and how Oscar became rich. And then Leo sends the kids back to their house because it's really late. And he's like, please don't call me mister. So also my question was, 
the guys who are offering Oscar the money for his diner, when they leave and come right back, why did they even leave just to come right back? What was the point of that? That didn't make any sense to me. It's like a negotiation tactic. So Right, but it took them two seconds to be like, let's go back. Yeah, okay, walk back in. Because they thought maybe the guy would, as they turn around to leave, that Oscar would be like, hey, wait, wait, guys. But he didn't. Mm. So they walked out of the door mm. and they realized, but we can't walk away from buying this property. So we need to do whatever we need to do. So that's why they turned around and came back. So the next scene is Gus and he is leaning over his toolbox and he finds some travel brochures in there that his wife put in there because she's trying to convince him to take a trip to London, but he just doesn't think that they can. He says that there's a lot of stuff to do around the house still. And Bart and his sister Veronica are there in the kitchen, and Bart says that he wants to go to the big house to feed Leo and practice reading. And then it shows Gus plunging the kitchen sink, and then it literally just sprays back up at him, like just right in his face, continuing the theme that Gus can't fix anything. So now it's nighttime again, and the Rigsby's are back with a plan to kidnap Leo. So Bart has apparently went out. I'm not exactly sure how he did this, but he went out and bought cheeseburgers and brought them to Leo. Cheeseburgers and french fries. Because Leo doesn't like liver. Yes, but Leo doesn't want that. So Leo decides to go to a phone book and he looks up a number for a pizza place and he calls in an order and he says that him and Oscar used to do this all the time. But his order is a disgusting. (laughs) A pizza with double anchovies, light on the sauce and no cheese. And the guy even says, do you even want the crust? And then Leo goes, now that I think about it. But they do get the crust. So then the next scene is they're sitting there with the pizza box. and Which looks disgusting. Yeah. And Leo is eating while Bart reads. And Leo says, reading is the door to knowledge. So Leo is kind of like Bart's tutor now for reading. And then while they're there, Leo hears the Rigsby's outside and he tells Bart to leave. And when the Rigsby's see Bart leave, they go into the house and it's all dark. And Leo is sitting on the steps and they try to lure him, of course, with liver. And Leo comes to Why them. Why does everyone think cats like liver? Cats don't eat liver in real life. I mean, they, they do sometimes, but it's just some odd theme they have here. So they try and lure him with liver and Leo comes to them and he keeps running up the stairs and through the house into the bedroom and they follow him so they follow him all the way up to oscar's bedroom there is a lot of stuffed animals and i don't mean like plush animals i'm talking about like taxidermied animals in this room and one of them is a lion so leo goes up to the lion because it's dark in here so there's no light so they can't see where the cat went when they come close to it he makes a noise like a growling noise and it scares both of them and they run out of the house and he says i guess that ought to hold them for the night So, of course, they're, like, tripping over each other, like the Rigsby's, to get out of the room because they got scared by the lion. I don't know why they think that a live lion would be in there, but whatever. They're dumb. That cat pulled a home alone on them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, it's the morning, and the kids are on their way to school, and they decide to check up on Leo. And they come into the house, and they see that it's a mess because the Rigsby's made a huge mess when they were trying to get the cat last night. And then Leo tells them the Rigsby's are coming back for him. Later on that evening, the Rigsby's are back and they have a tranquilizer gun and chloroform to make sure that they can catch him. This tranquilizer gun has some sort of a gas in the gun. So when you shoot it, gas comes out of it. And so they have gas masks so they don't get affected by it, just the cat. Because they know that 
they're not going to be able to catch him. So this would be the easiest way to maybe put him to sleep so they could get him. My only question is, how is it this hard to catch a cat? It is hard. I know. If the cat doesn't want to be caught, then it, it is hard to catch them. I know, but I think it's partially just the Rigsby's. Well, yeah, too. They're kind of bumbling idiots. That's yeah. definitely the part that they're playing in this movie is two bumbling idiots trying to get something done that they can't get done. So. Yeah, they're definitely like the two guys from Home Alone. Yeah. So they're getting their stuff together. They're trying, you know, they're about to go up the stairs and the man doesn't completely put his gas mask on. They come upon Leo and they're kind of just, again, bumbling idiots. Somehow she sets the gun off and shoots it and it goes into Victor's face. Now he has like, he's kind of like drunk and stuff because of this gas. He gets this gas in his face and he falls down the stairs. But also just to interject real quick, the stairs fall, which causes him to break his legs or break his leg and his arm or whatever is ridiculous <laughs> it's ridiculous so again going with the bumbling theme so the next morning you see it he has a broken leg and a broken arm they decide that they don't have to be the one to actually get the cat they come up with another guy who they think that they can convince to do it which is one of victor's patients apparently he is a hypnotherapist so they think of one of his patients that is very easily susceptible to his hypnotizing and they feel like they can hypnotize him into going and getting the cat and this guy's name is howard and apparently howard is in jail so they go to jail and bail him out in order to hypnotize him and so that way he'll go and get the cat and then he won't remember doing it so then they'll have the cat back and he'll never be able to tell the the authorities on them or anything like that so they bail him out and they bring him to rigsby's office he hypnotizes him to go to the house and get the cat and bring him to rigsby and all his troubles will go away and then he says that the address of the house is in his pocket and he wakes up and he finds the address there and then he smiles and he gets up and leaves so back at the Barnett residence, Gus is fixing a light in their dining room like a chandelier. And Louise is wondering about Bart and why he keeps going to the big house all the time. And she asks her daughter, Veronica, about it. But she just brushes it off like she's not going to tell the parents about Leo. And Gus says when things settle down, they will take the trip to Europe. And then he goes to flip on the light and it works. But then it sparks and falls onto the dining room table. It's just like this crazy scene, but... <laughs> so then Louise decides to go go to the big house to check on Bart. All right, so at the big house, Bart and Leo are sitting and talking, and Bart says Leo is his best friend. And while they're talking, also Leo, or Leo tells a motto to um, Bart, and he says, inch by inch, life is a cinch, yard by yard, it's very, very hard. And Bart says... I'll always remember that. <laughs> so Leo and Bart are getting closer and Leo tells Bart to climb up the bookshelf because there, I guess there's like by the stairs, there's this huge bookshelf. I mean, it's huge. And so Leo tells Bart to climb the bookshelf and get him a book from the top and it's called Wealth of Nations. And Leo says there's money in it if he ever needs it. So Bart has climbed up the bookshelf and then Leo hears Louise, Bart's mom, coming. She's in the house and she's calling out to Bart. She hears a noise and then she sees that Bart is hanging from the bookshelf with one arm because he stepped on one of the shelves and it broke when he was trying to climb down. She also sees that the house is a huge mess and she thinks that it's because of Bart, that Bart made all the mess. So she, she says he's been roughhousing with the cat. Which I would like to ask, how do you roughhouse with a cat? And break a whole bunch of furniture and, and make the house a mess. Right. 
So she gets mad at him and makes him leave and go to his room. And think about what he's done. (laughs) So now Bart is back at his house in his room and Leo gets out of the big house and comes to see Bart. So they have a little conversation there, but then Leo goes back to the house and Howard is there and just can easily grab him and puts him in a cat carrier. So the Rigsby's had a hard time catching Leo, but Howard is able to do it very easily, basically because he's kind of snuck up on him. The next scene is at the Rigsby's house and they're waiting for Howard to return with the cat. And they <laughs> they have a couple of guests at the house. And it's a reverend and his wife. And the reason why they invited them over is because they plan to use them as their alibi. So if anybody says that they were possibly the ones who got rid of the cat, they could have the reverend and his wife to say, no, 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 we were with them the whole time. They're kind of like upset and they're nervous and they're like pacing around waiting to find out if if Howard was able to get the cat and during that time they're kind of snipping at each other and paula says that victor flunked out of medical school (laughs) which is why he's a hypnotherapist now so the doorbell rings and it's howard he comes in he tells them that he has the cat but he won't give the cat back because he thinks that as long as he has the cat all of his troubles will be gone because that's what victor said when he hypnotized him so now their plan is kind of backfired because they don't have the cat the next scene is Just the way that the newspaper clippings happened when Oscar died, now there's like Time Magazine and Esquire Magazine and People Magazine, like these magazines spinning on the screen and richest cat in the world disappears. That's the headline. My question is, why are Time and People Magazine concerned with this local cat who inherited $5 million? He's not local. He's like a big celebrity now. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So now the same news lady is back at the house doing a story. And while she's giving her story about how, you know, the the hunt is continuing for Leo, there's a whole bunch of men in the background searching in the bushes. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then they go to a, a news statement given by the Rigsby's. And this time, Victor has a neck brace on. So he has a neck brace, a broken leg, and a broken arm. And Paula is holding a cat and he calls it, Victor calls it Rusty, but Paula calls it Rudolph. So again, this theme where she doesn't remember people's names or or she doesn't remember names that are not important to her. So they're holding this other cat kind of like to show that they they love cats and, and they would never do anything to harm Leo. And during this press conference, Victor suggests that it was the caretaker who got rid of Leo because they didn't want to take care of Leo anymore. Like what, feeding him? really hard right (laughs) so then it flips to a press conference given by the barnett's and gus says that they took really good care of leo and they have nothing to gain by his disappearance but the rigsby's do so throwing shade back (laughs) and there is a hundred thousand dollar reward for leo's return and the the news lady (laughs) fur keeps flying as both sides try to get their licks in that's what she says (laughs) And she says to, if you find the cat, bring the cat to the 12th precinct. So by nature, everyone's like, I want the $100,000 reward. So they just take their cats to the 12th precinct to try and get the money, even though they know they're not going to get it because their cat is like black and Leo is like white. So, right. So now you see a line of people outside of the police station with cats all trying to collect the money. And they're letting each person in this room with the um, Barnett's. And they're like, nope, that's not Leo. Nope, that's not Leo. And then one guy actually brings in a skunk. And then they instantly are like, 
what? And they like, pew, they're out of there real quick. They all leave and close the door. We'll leave the guy in the room with the skunk and they close the door. So that didn't work. So the next scene is back at the house and Gus is mowing the lawn and <laughs> one of the wheels pops off of the lawnmower. <laughs> just as he's just in, like walking along mowing. I wrote down, seriously, how is that guy a repairman if everything he tries to fix breaks and he's so clumsy? How? I don't even get it. Just goes back to what I was saying before. I, I think that Oscar was just trying to do them a favor. So the kids are in the big house sitting on the steps and they're talking and they're upset that Leah was missing. And their mom comes in and tells them that the Rigsby's have scheduled a hearing for Friday. And if Leo isn't found, they're going to have to move because the Rigsby's will basically win and they'll get all the fortune. And the hearing is one week away. So the next scene is Leo is stuck in a house and he can't get out. He's in this room. It's Howard's house. Yeah. Also, just noting, Howard puts Leo in like a bedroom and like locks him in there. Yeah. Which is not how you treat a cat, but that guy's kind of crazy. So Yeah, he is. So Howard comes in and he tries to get Leo to come out from under the bed and he shakes the bed so hard that a hole opens up in the wall. And Leo, you can hear Leo's thoughts, and he thinks, oh, now he can get himself out because he sees through the hole, he sees a phone. And so now he sees like this opportunity for possibly getting out. We're at the Rigsby's house, and Paula is cleaning out her closet to make room for more expensive stuff. So obviously she's planning on the fact that they're gonna be getting the money soon. And Victor is worried about Howard, but Paula says in two days, they'll be millionaires and there is nothing to worry about. So now we're back with the Barnett family and Louise is packing in preparation for the move because if the Rigsby's get the fortune in the house, they know that they're going to have to move. And Bart is sitting around sad and missing Leo. And he's also reading out loud really well now. And Leo, wherever you are, I could have never done it without you. So you can see who really loves the cat and who obviously doesn't. The Rigsby's come into the cottage where the Barnett's live with like a realtor and they're trying to decide what they're going to do with the building once they inherit the house. The Barnett's basically make the Rigsby's leave since the hearing is not till tomorrow and they shouldn't be there on the property. So back at Howard's house, Howard is asleep in the bedroom. This is also the bedroom where Leo is in and he's having a bad dream. Also, he's asleep, fully clothed with his shoes on. (laughs) (laughs) okay so howard is having a bad dream about drowning and leo starts talking to him and tells him to swim while he's asleep and so he starts flailing his arms like he is swimming in water and the bed starts rocking back and forth and moving a lot and so in this movement the bed makes the hole in the wall bigger and then howard wakes up from his bad dream and he goes outside for some air and he gets into his car and leaves that whole scene is so funny. It's just hilarious the way that Leo can talk to him and make him start movements in his sleep. But seriously, that scene is hilarious. So now the hole is bigger and Leo is able to squeeze through it and he calls Bart on the phone. So Bart answers the phone and asks where he is. So Leo tells Bart the phone number and Howard's name and says he's out to lunch. And that Leo also says he can hear the bells of a church that are very close and near railroad tracks because he can hear a train and a seafood restaurant is nearby because he can smell it. And he tells them to use the money in the book to find him. 
So the kids go to the big house to get the money and Bart climbs up the bookshelf to get the money and Veronica calls the operator and finds out Howard lives in Ridgemont, which is 50 miles away. Just to say something real quick, the kids are always out of their house and their parents don't seem to care. They're out by themselves and doing who knows what. An ongoing theme that we've experienced in multiple movies now, right Harper? Correct. So the kids, they get in a taxi and the taxi drops them off in the town of Ridgemont and they find the church and then they hear the train and then the bells of the church start ringing. And so they start looking for the seafood restaurant around the area and they find Sam's Seafood. And then there are a lot of houses around that area as well. And so they have to figure out which one Leo is in. So they go up to this one house and it's like this creepy stone looking house and it has a barking dog that chases after them (laughs) they don't think they can search all the houses but as they're standing there talking they see peanut shells on the ground and they remember that there were peanut shells in the mansion when leo was kidnapped and also they don't really make a big deal out of it but howard eats peanuts in a shell basically like nonstop. it's kind of like a nervous thing that he does Oh, that's what he's eating. Okay. I don't know what he was eating because I never saw it. Yeah. Well, they don't really show it, but then he says, peanut shells. Mm. So, so they follow this trail of peanut shells, which is a bit ridiculous because it's a very thick trail of peanut shells. (laughs) And then it leads them to Howard's house and they look in the window and they see Leo and they go into the front door, which is open. So just when they come into the house, Howard comes home with liver for Leo. (laughs) And the kids decide to to hide behind one of the curtains. And, you know, Howard comes in to, you know, give the food to Leo. And and Howard's talking to Leo. And then one of the kids sneezes. And so Howard finds out that the kids are there. So he's about to go and get the kids. And Leo decides to talk to Howard and tells him to stop. And so Howard really thinks he's going crazy now because a cat is talking to him. But then he just starts listening to him. I don't know what it is, but people just start listening to Leo no matter what. He starts talking and they listen. Leo tells Howard to lay down and tell him his problems. And basically he does. And hours go by. And um, Leo tells them they need to go and they convince Howard to drive them to the hearing so they can stop the court hearing. Also, basically, when Howard comes home with the liver, he has the liver in his hand, but then he's like drops the liver and is like, oh my gosh, a cat's talking to me. And he like puts his hands in his hair. <laughs> he puts his liver hands in his hair. And I don't know why, but that stuck out to me so much. And I was like, ew. <laughs> Yeah, that's gross. (laughs) So Howard is driving them to the hearing and he apparently is driving really fast and he gets pulled over by a cop. And Howard says he doesn't have a license, first of all. (laughs) And then the kids say they have Leo. They're like, this is Leo, the richest cat. And the cop arrests them. For cat thievery. Yes. Can you actually get arrested for cat thievery is my question. I mean, it's like a big news story that the cat was kidnapped. Right, but... So the hearing is about to start in the courtroom. The Rigsby's come in. Also, the Barnett family is there, but the the kids are not, obviously. And the judge comes in and starts the hearing. And so this is also where 
the next section of scenes kind of flips back and forth between what's going on with the kids and Howard and then the court scenes. So now we're back with Howard and the kids and they're all in the back of a cop car and a moving van is blocking the road. And so the cop gets out to get to the van to move and they are all able to get out, which you cannot get out of a cop car. There's no handles. It only opens from the outside. But anyway, so at the hearing, Victor is in a lot of casts and he's trying to make a case. So he's standing up in front of the judge and just talking about I don't even know he's just rambling yeah rambling and talking then Howard and the kids are trying to pay a taxi driver a lot of money to get them to the courthouse and then back at the hearing Victor is still trying to make a case and the judge says the cat's presence in the court will determine the outcome of the case so now the taxi driver is driving and a guy on a bike comes out in front of them. So the taxi driver swerves to miss hitting the bike rider and I guess something happens to the taxi. It starts overheating or something it's smoking. So the kids give the guy with the bike money to get to the courthouse. Back at the hearing again, the judge says the cat isn't there and Gus asks for more time to search. He stands up and says, Your Honor, we're still trying to search for the cat. Please just give us more time. So Howard, the bike rider, the kids, and Leo are riding through the intersection to get there. So you can see they're they're getting closer and closer. Back to the hearing, the judge is about to rule for the Rigsby's when the kids come in with Leo. Just in time. Yep, just in time. So then the judge rules that Leo gets to keep his fortune in the house and the Barretts get to stay and Leo says to live in the big house with him. And the judge repeats that. So they didn't live in the big house before, but now Leo wants them to live in the big house with him. And then after that, Victor, with all of his casts and neck brace and everything, is literally dragged out of the courtroom by the bailiffs. In the final scene, they're all in the big house. Bart is reading his book really, really well with Leo. And Veronica comes up and she has a postcard from their parents. So the parents went on the European vacation without the kids, <laughs> which I think is kind of funny. But who would be watching them? Howard. So Howard is now fit enough to leave these two kids alone with the cat. I guess maybe the cat is probably part of sitting. yeah, babysitting the kids. <laughs> and they end the show by singing together the song On Top of Spaghetti. So what do you think about this, Harper? I thought this movie was uh, mm, not the best, but like that it was okay. It wasn't anything crazy or any- it wasn't anything special. I th- it was entertaining, but it wasn't like the best movie we've watched. Well, what didn't you like about it? The whole kind of idea of the um, talking cats, just a little bit ridiculous, you know? characters are all kind of like dumb to some extent because like you know the Rigsby's are dumb the dad's kind of quote-unquote dumb because he can't fix anything and then uh Howard is dumb because he's associated with the Rigsby's basically and because he's crazy but I do agree that there are little you know bumbling characters but actually I really like this movie a lot I feel like this movie is basically the epitome of what these Disney Sunday movies are. A fun story, you know, kind of wacky, really funny. Like, there's some really funny scenes in this movie. And, you know, no, like, real big-name actors or anything like that. But I just really like this story. And, you know, a happy ending in the end with the family being able to, um, you know, be a real family for Leo. And, you know... 
I always thought it would be really cool to have a talking cat. So I just really like this movie a lot. And I just feel like it's a great movie for families to watch together. And I just feel like this is what these movies were made for, for Sunday night, you know, for the family to sit around and have like a really fun time and laugh together and just enjoy the the story. You know, nothing serious or anything like that, but just a fun family time. So I just really like this. I thought it was really funny. So one little quick note here before we talk about our rating is we were thinking that a five scale or a five star rating is kind of limiting and doesn't give you the real understanding of how we feel about these movies because when we give some of them a two, it seems like we really didn't like it, but we did. We do like all of these movies, you know, just some better than the others. So we were feeling like we should change our scale to a 10 point scale. So what we're going to do is start rating our movies now on a 10 point scale. And we're going to just translate the ratings that we gave to the previous movies just over to the 10. So for instance, if we gave a movie a three out of five, then that would just be a six out of 10. A four out of five, that would be an eight out of 10, you know, things like that. And so it would evenly translate over so that you can get an understanding of how we feel about these movies without being so limited to just five points. So We're going to start that today and we'll post our revised ratings on the website and those ratings are not going to change the ranking. The ranking will still remain the same and we'll obviously we'll rank this movie in a minute and put that in there as well. So hopefully you guys understand and you feel better about that rating scale and it gives you a better understanding of how we really feel about these movies. So how would you rate this movie Harper on a scale of one to ten? I will rate this movie a 6 out of 10. And I'm actually going to rate this movie a 9 out of 10 for the reasons that I just said. I just think that this is basically like the perfect example of a Disney Sunday movie. So I got to give it a high score. So where do you think it should fall in the ranking? For me, I would actually put it like probably right below Girl Who Spelled Freedom. So in the number two slot. I was thinking maybe in between Help Wanted Kids and The Last Electric Night. So that would be the number three slot, I think. So you think Help Wanted Kids is better than this? Actually, probably not. Okay. So then do you agree with me then? Yeah. What is okay. that? So we're going to put this at number two. So the girl who spelled freedom is number one. The richest cat in the world is number two. Help wanted kids is number three and so on and so on. So you'll be able to find that list of rankings, the updated list with this new movie at number two. And we're also going to, we have our, our ratings listed in the ranking as well. And we'll obviously update it with the new scale. So, all right, this was a great movie. I really highly recommend it for all families out there watching it. And I thought that this was, was a fun time. Harper, do you want to tell us about social media? All right. So you can find us on Twitter at the DSM Podcast and on Facebook and SoundCloud at the Disney Sunday Movie Podcast. Also, make sure to check out our website, DisneySundayMoviePodcast.com. And if you have any comments or questions, our email is DisneySundayMoviePodcast at gmail.com. All right. Also, just want to mention that I am newly a co-host on the Jiminy Crickets podcast, along with my co-host, Chris Linden and Will Dodson. So you can also check me out there on that podcast. So we'll leave a link to that in the show notes if you'd like to check that out. It's a great Disney podcast. We just talk about all things Disney. And I was a longtime listener before I became a co-host. And it's just an awesome podcast. So check that out too. The next episode is going to be on Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Tree, along with a couple of other Disney animated cartoons, which are Springtime for Pluto, 
Donald's Garden, and Mickey's Parrot. And we'll also put links in the show notes for those. So if you want to watch those ahead of time, that's going to be a fun episode just talking about some classic Disney animation. And then that episode is going to be released two weeks from now. So you'll have to wait a little bit longer, but we promise it'll still be fun. So thanks for listening. And we hope you guys have a fun week. And thanks for enjoying the movie with us. Bye. Bye. Don't have to see. Means